Hi everyone, just real quick before we get into the episode this week, I did just want to share a trigger warning. We will be discussing grief and death, so if this is something difficult for you to hear right now for whatever reason, or maybe if you've turned this on to listen in the gym or at work or somewhere that you you know don't really feel comfortable to be emotional if that comes up, then potentially save this episode uh, for when you're in a safe space um, and listen when you can feel comfortable. But I think it's a really important chat and it's a chat I'm really proud of and I'm sure that anyone listening will get something from this and sending big love from me. Alrighty, let's get into it. Oh, hey, welcome to the Love Buzz podcast, a place where we talk about all things love, relationships, weddings, marriage, and everything that comes along with being in that love buzz feeling, the good, the bad, the awkward and hilarious, and everything in between. I'm your host, Claire Mick from Ceremonies by Claire. I'm a marriage celebrant, MC, and lover of love and banter. Think of me as your hype girl, your sidekick, here to bring you the tips, tricks and stories to both entertain you and help you as you plan your wedding and your relationship beyond the I do's. I'm so excited you're here, so grab a drink, come hang with me and let's get buzzed. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Love Buzz podcast. Today I'm joined by the lovely Sophie Mills from the Grief Revolution. Sophie has a very powerful story and message and I'm so excited for her to share it with you all. She's a beautiful soul, one I am lucky enough to call a good friend of mine as well. And now you may be wondering why on this podcast, which is all about love, relationships and weddings, I'm getting someone on to talk about death and grief. Seems maybe from the outside not a very clear connection, but bear with me. For one, my view on grief is strongly tied to love itself. As for one, we only grieve those we love dearly and grieve the time that we have lost with them and grieve all the things that could have been. And also in a very real way, death and grief can be very much at the forefront of people's minds and lives during the wedding planning process and on the day, which we will get into in our chat. But for now, Sophie Mills, a huge welcome to the Love Buzz podcast. How are you going? Hello, thank you so much for that intro. And I'm so grateful to be here to be able to talk about grief alongside love because you're so right, they're so intricately connected and entwined. Yeah, for sure. And I think you've got such a good insight on all of it. I love how you talk about grief and death in just the purest of ways instead of trying to kind of sugarcoat things or making up different language it's just kind of saying it how it is but still in a, a gentle and and meaningful way um so I guess first of all I was hoping you could tell us a bit about your story with your own life um and with starting the grief revolution and I guess why you're inspired to start the grief revolution Mm, gladly thank you yes um we're gonna say death a lot of times in this podcast just letting people know straight out the gate <laughs> can be super uncomfortable we usually use words like passed away or you know went to a better place that sort of thing but I like to use the correct wording which is death died dying uh, and the reason is because that's what it is there's no need to be using any other words than what it is because it creates this taboo that's unnecessary. Um, so my story, I guess, 
I mean, if you trace it right back to childhood, it was that we didn't do emotions, we didn't talk about death, we did the wording of passed away or, you know, when somebody dies, we don't really talk about it. Uh, and then in my sort of mid-ish 20s, I had my dad die uh, and I did not have the skills to grieve the loss and it was incredibly challenging. Um, and had I been planning a wedding at the time, it, I, I don't know how I would have found joy during those days. Um, so that sort of motivated me to start researching why do I not have the skills? What is it about the culture that I live in that creates this kind of death-denying culture, this um, grief illiterate society? And there was birthed the grief revolution. That's amazing. It's such an incredible story. And I think what you're doing with the grief revolution is just amazing. I haven't come across anything else like that. Um, and I like, I guess, first of all, why do you think it is that people are almost scared to say the word death or they died? Like it, it always like carries an extra weight with it when you say that, don't you think? In a, like just in a casual conversation with someone? Yeah, I've even had people tell me that it's <laughs> offensive to say the word death. <laughs> Wow. Okay. It's really, it's, it's really interesting that that's their take on it. And and you know, look, I I understand because probably to an extent, I felt a little bit like that way back when. Because how dare you bring this thing to the forefront of my face when I work so hard to pretend like it doesn't exist? Um, I mean, that's probably a whole other podcast as to why <laughs> I think that is the case. Um, the death industry has taken death away from the sacredness that it is. You know, we used to have people dying in our homes. Um, you know, we would nurse our own grandparents and see it as children and we would just kind of grow up around death, whereas now uh, it's all we're kind of in a production-based culture. So, it, you know, everything, we don't have time to have challenging and hard emotions. It's get back to work and uh, you know, make the money for the man. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I think most, um, I forget what it's called, is it carer's leave or like whatever the other type of leave is. Yeah, two days. Like, it's a two days. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously people, will, you know, take longer, especially when it's someone really close to them. But I think you never know whose death is going to have a big impact on you. And also, obviously, like, you don't, no one can plan for, for death. <laughs> and it always comes that you know there's never a convenient time for someone that you love to pass away um and I'm sorry I'm not trying to make like light of it but it's it's horrendous and the fact that you have to like you kind of assume to as you said go back to work or continue on doing whatever you're meant to be doing when I think it can hit you like I I think about people that I've that I've lost and I feel like driving is the hardest time I think when your mind is just <laughs> I've called you crying before <laughs> and yeah it's awful you kind of think oh it was you know x amount of time ago whatever and sometimes you think of them and it's amazing sometimes you think of them and you just break down um I don't even know where I was going with that but yeah <laughs> like what's your thoughts on that well I think a lot of my work is um I guess changing the way that we look at that breakdown that you just talked about in terms of actually allowing the emotions um yeah. you know I, I call us we're a happiness obsessed culture and we sort of deem success based on our level of happiness uh, and it's just unrealistic you know all emotions are valid and all emotions are going to come up as you said in the intro if you love you're going to grieve nothing lasts forever that is the reality of life 
And we need to find ways that one, we can support ourselves and support our loved ones when somebody does die, because so many people feel so alone and feel like there's something wrong with them when they're still having a really challenging time, two years, four years, five years, 10 years on from the death of their person uh, or one of their people, you know, in a lifetime, we'll lose multiple people to death. Um, so uh, that's a big part of my mission is to just validate that it's okay to be crying in the car yeah. <laughs> and to be calling your friend and crying in the car. It's all okay, you know, but we hold so much shame and, and guilt around, oh, I'm still not back to who I was before they died. And, and the reality of it is if, if you deeply and profoundly love someone and they die, you will never be the same again. It doesn't mean you can't have a prosperous and joyous love-filled life, but you you are not going to be the same as you were before they died. You simply can't. And if, you know, people are listening that, for example, they know someone that is going through that at the moment or it could be, you know, current or it could be years uh, between when they lost someone, how's a way that a friend or even a spouse can best support them? Because I know there are a lot of people Sometimes you don't know what the right thing to say is if it's, you know, showing up and being like, I'm just going to sit with you or if it's giving them some space. What can you kind of recommend in that avenue? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, what I might start with is what not to do. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that's probably a good place to start. Um, yeah, what not to do is say any sentences that start with at least. Um, it's very invalidating for the person who's grieving. You know, a a mother who, for example, has lost a husband. Oh, at least you're still young. You can find another oh husband. God. It's incredibly invalidating, right? Or I, I hear it to mothers. Oh, at least you've got other children when their children die. Just really, you know, um, and, and it's, yeah. it's not said out of uh, malice or, or, you know, it's just said out of uh, the lack of grief literacy, really. So um, always be watching your mouth. If you're saying the words, at least stop yourself, yeah. apologize <laughs> and bring yourself back to, yeah, look, if you don't know, silence is always really nice and, and a warm hug. Um, otherwise, even, even better than at least is, hey, I really don't know what to say here. This is, this is a big deal that your person died and I don't have the skills, but I just want to let you know that I love you and I support you. And, and I'm here for anything that you need, you know, that, that that's better than, than the at least yeah. <laughs> thing that I hear all the time. Um, but otherwise, if it's really early on, practical uh, help is, is practical help and emotional help are the two things that you can go to. If you don't have the relationship with the person that is uh, an emotional one, then, you know, hey, Tuesday at 4 p.m., I'm dropping some meals around at your house. I love you. Um, that's that's a really beautiful thing to do. Or, you know, Wednesday afternoon at 3.45, I'm coming to grab your kids for two hours. And, you know, they can write back and say, hey, actually, no, thanks. That doesn't work for me, whatever, whatever. But giving them concrete things that they don't have to even face you for, because in the early days, it's really hard to actually answer the door and you feel like you have to put on a brave face. And so any offerings of help, we, they don't actually have to see you if they don't want to is is usually pretty welcomed. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just just sitting there, holding their hand, crying alongside them is really validating. It's okay to shed tears with the person who's grieving. Um, so even that, yeah. I think some people feel funny if 
potentially they didn't know the person who died or they knew them but not to the same extent like is it silly for them to feel like they can't be as sad almost because they didn't know them as well like what's your thoughts on all of that yeah in my opinion there's a difference between crying alongside someone and crying with someone and then requiring their support um if it's yeah. if it's you know if it's their person that died yeah you need to find your own support to grieve that loss there's sort of there's generally a hierarchy you know in terms <laughs> of of who sort of is the next of kin versus you know yeah the profound level of loss so uh always make sure your support is someone that is slightly more removed from the emotional process than you are, if that makes sense. No, that's so you can to... be a support to someone else and someone else can be a support to you. Very On very rare occasions, um, you know, if it's uh, uh, two fiancés or a husband and wife or someone in a relationship that has had somebody die, like a child, for example, uh, then there can be this kind of um, co-support that can go back and forth, but it does have to have some turn-taking um, but yeah, there's, as I said, there's a difference between crying alongside someone, which is beautiful and validating for the person who's grieving, versus them then going, oh, it was my mother that died, yet my friend who met her twice requires my emotional support. This doesn't <laughs> all that nourishing. Maybe you can go now, please. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. Um, and I love what you said about as well offering, hey, I'm going to come by at this time. I'm dropping off this because I think, Sometimes we don't know what to do and it's something like we message saying, you know, let me know what I can do to help. Most of the time people are going to say, oh, if you can make me seven days of meals, that would be great. Like, <laughs> So I think it's kind of just being like, I'm going to do this, you know, if you're home, great. Like, you know, put it in the fridge, whatever. And then it's just like takes the guesswork out of it. Like, yeah, Absolutely. And people, yeah. a lot of the time when you're grieving, you have the foggiest mind that you don't you don't even know what you need so when people say hey let me know what I can do I'm here to help it almost creates like additional work for you because you're like oh gosh now I've got to yeah think of something <laughs> that they can do or I've got to reply to that message you know it's like I'm yeah. already just battling to get through my day so yeah a concrete um you know offer is is a really uh literate a grief literate way of helping yeah amazing no that's I think really Good advice. And in terms of a spouse wanting to support, you know, their spouse, potentially someone's died in the lead, lead up to their wedding. I think it's a really tricky thing when you're maybe newly engaged or just any time the lead up to your wedding, because often you're planning for at least a year or so, if something happens and obviously they're trying to still be excited for the wedding, but then also dealing with the grief. How can and maybe both spouses are grieving, but if, if it's impacted one more than the other, uh, what can you kind of recommend in terms of, yeah, supporting or, or giving or like holding space for that person? Yeah, I love this question because I think I think it would resonate with a lot of people and it would be actually quite common. Um, you know, at the age when people are getting married, it's either a grandparent is around the age of death or, or yeah, sometimes it's it's an actual parent themselves. I mean, anyone could die at any age, of course, but um, I could see that that would be be a common occurrence. Uh, it's it's knowing that life. <laughs> requires you to be able to access all emotions right and when 
you marry someone, you marry all of them. You don't just marry the happy parts of them. You marry the grief and the sorrow as well. So it's actually a beautiful opportunity to get to know them on an even deeper level. Uh, but in terms of actual practical help, I would first be, if I if I was the fiancé, the support fiancé, um, if he was going straight to Google to get some how do I support my grieving fiancé, there will be an array of suggestions. But it's things like knowing they're going to have sad times and that that's okay. Don't have the expectation that they're just only going to be excited about the wedding. Hold space for the fact that they're going to be looking forward to it, but also they're going to be dreading it in a sense because, you know, let's say it's their mother who died. Them and their mom have been dreaming about this wedding day since she was a little girl, you know, and that she, you know, she would have spoken to her mom about the wedding before she even met the the spouse to be. Yes. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing that there's going to be so much sadness around it. I remember the first moment that I realised that if I were to get married, my dad wouldn't be walking me down the aisle or my dad was a quadriplegic, so he was always going to be rolling me down the aisle. But, uh, you know, and that I remember that thought came maybe a year or even a year and a half after he had died and I had to go through a whole nother grieving process because when somebody dies, it's not just, I miss them, I wish they were here and that's the only grief. It's we've got to grieve every uh, experience that we expected to be that will no longer be yeah for sure uh, yeah so so as a spouse it's about sitting there and validating like yeah babe that's really shit and that's really tough and cry with me about it because that's what needs to happen to get it out of your body um yeah and crying in the car I mean I love that one <laughs> I think a lot of people that I speak to, it's just I don't know what it is about the car, but um, I feel, yeah, I feel bad for people I don't on the like car rides. <laughs> what was that? I said I feel you, sister. I've done a lot of car mm-hmm. rides. It's always like Probably the real ugly cries. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know what it was like at the moment. I think it's because it's when you finally feel safe. You're in this safe little container of a bubble. Nobody's going to walk into the room because you can't just jump into somebody's car. Yeah. Um, that's that's really again back to how you could support a spouse it's about safety creating safety and um, ensuring that your partner knows that they can come to you with anything and uh, letting them know that they can say that they're dreading the wedding because their person won't be there and that's okay you know they still love you it's it's nothing about how they feel for you but grief sits alongside love which we've already kind of addressed yeah and with you know the wedding side of things and thinking about the actual day because as you said some people are definitely dreading it or they don't know how they're going to feel and there's lots of different ways you can honor certain family members at you know on your wedding day whether it's in the ceremony reception in a subtle way or in quite an obvious way um but a lot of people I think feel or like they just don't know how much mention they want to make with the person purely because either they don't know how they're going to react or they're going to they feel they're going to be too emotional what I guess do you have to say to that I mean my first comment would be in my opinion there is no (laughs) such thing there is no such thing as too emotional yeah you know when we label things like that 
it, it has this sense of uh, shame associated with it. Yeah. And there should be no shame for loving somebody and grieving the loss, you know. I understand we don't want to ruin our makeup and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, all fair enough. I, I I understand that. And if you need to suppress your emotions on your wedding day to still look beautiful because that's the priority, look, girl, go for it. <laughs> yeah, some good <laughs> touch-ups. Um, yeah, stuff. yeah, you know, just wear dry-proof makeup. On the day makeup but, you know, there, there's, way, there's things you can do. But there is definitely a way to give structure to your grief and to honour your loved one on your wedding day for sure. Um a joyful wedding can still make way or make room for grief on the day. Um, I mean, it's it's completely individual for everyone. And I guess you can choose sort of two ways to do this. So the first would be to look at it from a personal or um, sort of private and individual way. So you might look at things like, um, let's say it's your mother who has died that won't be at your wedding. Um, and she has a wedding dress, you could, you know, cut some of her wedding dress and embroider it into your own wedding dress, for example. Or um, I know of um, one bride who did the um, monogram, uh, you know, stitching into her veil with um, oh, some wording that her mother, yeah, her mother had written in a card for her before she died. Um, and so, again, oh, wow. nobody saw that, but she knew it was right there. Um Another one was uh, if whoever has died had a favourite flower that the men wear it, you know, on their lapel and the women wear it in their hair or or something like that. Um, otherwise, so that's sort of, you know, the, the personal little touches that anyone kind of external might not even realise that you're doing, but it's, it's there, you can see it or you know it's there and it feels special and, um, you know, there's intentionality to it. Uh, the other way you can do it is that it's a shared and public thing. Um, you know, that the person who died is is toasted, that you talk about them throughout the day. Um, you know, you might even leave an empty chair at a table for where they would have sat, for example. Um, you can do, you know, the special song. You can leave a photograph out of them. I even heard of one... Um, wedding that had a cardboard cutout of someone I mean that <laughs> depends what people's sense of humor is like and whether yeah. that I mean I think that person had died quite some time ago and they were a jovial jokester and um I think you know oh, the I actually that, love that and that's yeah yeah finding you know. appropriate and when I say appropriate I guess you know to each situation how recent it is and yeah, who kind of who the person was? Because a lot of the time, as well, like if you know that they would have, they would have absolutely loved that you were doing that. Then that kind of just makes it a really joyful thing to have on the day. And then you still get photos of that person. Um, exactly. Oh my exactly. Gosh, that's gold. And yeah, yeah, I've seen that as well. With um, so not the not the cardboard cutout, <laughs> um, but people leaving a chair and having like candles on it, or like this cedar sage for that person, which is really lovely. And, yeah, I always put it out to my couples if they want to make any special mention of, you know, people that have passed away or that kind of thing. And, yeah, it's so different. It's person by person what people feel comfortable with. Um, is there anything, I guess, from a celebrant's point of view or other wedding vendors, any advice you can give to them in terms of wanting to make or create a comfortable environment for the couple without you know overstepping too much because 
I guess for me, I, I want to kind of encourage it in a way because I've, I've seen it done. And even though it can be maybe a bit more painful for a few moments, the couple loves that they've had that mention or done that something special. Um, so I kind of, I feel like I want to encourage it to an extent, but obviously don't want to overstep and I have no idea of their full background and experience. So yeah, I guess what what do you advise um, for that kind of relationship where vendors obviously know the couple to a certain degree, but yeah, like what do you kind of recommend in that situation? Yeah, look, my thoughts are, uh, and and I don't, I've, I didn't realise this wasn't, I guess, overly common knowledge, but uh, when we suppress our grief, we're actually suppressing our ability to feel the whole array of our emotions. So if we don't give room for the grief in the lead up to the wedding or on the day, then we're not going to be able to feel the extent of joy and happiness either. Um, so in my opinion, if you want to have the best wedding day and feel all the incredible feels, you also have to feel the depths of the grief and the sadness as well. Um, so, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm at the grief revolution, obviously. I'm super passionate <laughs> about feeling the grief and I feel no um, shame around experiencing those, what we coin more challenging emotions. But I'm a huge advocate for it. I mean, if I was at a wedding and, and we had the room in tears, because of the person who didn't get to be there, I would be doing the the hoot hoot, you know, yes, everyone go because grief brings people together as does love. And so when we, you know, create this environment where you can feel both and there's vulnerability there, it's, it's, it creates magic. And, you know, people think that uh, for a funeral, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be all about sadness and grief. And then a wedding has to be all about joy and happiness well, that's not life. That's not realistic. That's not how things work. You know, we can, and, and, you know, a wedding day is, it's everything is so uh, more visceral, you know, we're going to feel everything more or, or we're just going to shut it all down. And why would you want to do that on your special day? Yeah. You know, let's feel it all and let's welcome it. Um, I mean, so I don't necessarily have any specific um, advice other than encouraging people to feel it all yeah yeah for sure and it is yeah it's a, it's a tricky one but I think yeah I'll, I'll keep trying to encourage it and obviously in a respectful way um but yeah, yeah the more, but I, I guess ideas we can give to people of either subtle or you know bigger ways to do it I think is really nice um even just even just offering the sentence of a well-held funeral or a well-held wedding allow for the flow of grief and love you know yeah. and that they're all emotions that we experience and you know that today we honor such and such who who couldn't be here with us today they were deeply loved you almost have an element of the funeral in the wedding because they're both rituals that's yeah. that's all a wedding is really you know there's a ritual you put a you put a ring on a on a finger and that's saying goodbye to the old life that they lived as separate people. And, you know, there's even elements of grief within that. You, you're grieving that. <laughs> grieving your part of you. days. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's real, it's reality. And I think there's probably a lot of brides and grooms that 
uh, experience that, that don't even honor that part, that just suppress it and think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to grieve that. I'm supposed to be all for moving forward with this one person that I'll spend the rest of my life with. But, you know, that's scary. There's fear in that. And even those emotions should be should be expressed and, and talked about. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just having that open communication and, as you were saying before, creating a safe space to have any sort of difficult conversation which I think is very important in the lead up to your wedding and for, you know, your marriage beyond as well. Um, because it's not just about the wedding. <laughs> it's about what it means and, yeah, your marriage together. Thank you so much, Sophie, for all of your advice. I know I asked lots of questions, but there's still probably so many different rabbit holes you could go down to like down in this area um and I definitely look forward to having you on again for another chat at some point um but for now if anyone has any specific questions for you uh where can they best find you and say hello best place is usually Instagram or Facebook I am the underscore grief underscore revolution I have an email address but I kind of suck at checking that so socials is <laughs> So it's just as well at that. Excellent. <laughs> love the honesty. Uh, and no, this has been an amazing chat. And I just love that you're someone that personally and everything I can talk to about absolutely anything. And there's just, I think there's few people that you can kind of have an open conversation with about absolutely anything and know that you're not going to be kind of shut down or anything, especially if you may have a, a differing view or anything like that. So thanks for being a legend pretty much. Um, and yeah, I look forward to having a chat with you again another time soon. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and I love you. And thank you to all the listeners for, yeah, tuning in about a really scary and difficult topic. If you have any further questions, please, please, please come and chat to me. Um, I can give more specific advice based on your circumstances if there's anything that arises. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for that, Sophie. And definitely anyone, if you have questions, reach out to Sophie. If there's any ideas that have come up in this chat that you want to talk to me about in terms of your actual ceremony, I would love to hear from you. And we both send all of you lots of love. I know a lot of people are going through a lot of different things at the moment. Um, but yeah, sending you lots of light and love. Alrighty. Bye, Sophie. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to know your thoughts on this episode, so please do me a favor and rate and review this podcast. On Spotify, you can give a star rating, so help sister out with a five-star review would be amazing. And if listening on Apple, you can leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to chat, so definitely come and say hey. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Ceremonies by Claire. And if you can do me a favor, take a screenshot and share to your stories. Let me know your favorite part or key takeaway. It would mean the absolute world. And don't forget to tag me when you do. Until next time, I hope you get some of that love buzz this week. Bye.